Hey, it's Bill Simmons. The NFL playoffs are in full swing, and the Ringer NFL Show has you covered for all your pro football needs. Sunday night, get Michael Lombardi and Tate Frazier's rapid reactions on GM Street. On Tuesdays, the Ringer NFL Show with Robert Mays, Kevin Clark, and regular guest Danny Kelly break down all the biggest angles on Wednesday. GM Street again on Thursdays. Clark, Mays, and Danny are back at it again. And on Friday, GM Street's Friday Focus gives you all the insight you need for gambling, fantasy, and everything else. Don't forget about my podcast, too, on Mondays. The BS Podcast, Cousin Sal and I playing Guest Alliance. More importantly, The Ringer NFL Show. Subscribe right now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I need support staff to clear the room. Stand up and walk now. Hello and welcome to The Watch. My name is Chris Ryan. I'm editor at TheRinger.com and joining me in the studio, he never doubted Nick Foles. It's Andy Greenwald. So inaccurate. Man. So many doubts. Let's see. We'll find out. Monday could be a very happy show for us. It could uh-huh. be a kind of a, a melancholy show for us. We usually don't cross the sports and culture streams. Do we not? We work at a sports and culture website. Shouts to, <laughs> shouts to our livelihood. Well, we don't on yeah. this podcast. Greenwald, it's Thursday. It's the re-up. We have special guests today. Yeah. Very excited to welcome in the co-creators, the co-stars of Comedy Central's very funny show, Another Period, Natasha Leggero and Ricky Lindholm. They stopped by. We chatted with them. I wanted to ask you something before we... We're also going to do Dark Thursdays today. We're not, so we just, the, not just any Dark Thursdays. The finale of Dark Thursdays. We are wrapping up Dark Thursdays. Um, if you're not going to listen to that segment just now, I want to okay. tell you something up front. I promise you will like this show. I, I can't... What show? Dark. Oh, I thought you meant our podcast. No, I meant like if you're not... If you haven't been watching Dark, yeah, if you've man. been like, oh, they're talking about Dark again. Guys... Come on now, guys. It's really, really, really good. Like, like you guys followed me into the Ozarks. You followed Greenwald into 1980s Washington, D.C. with the Americans. Seven of you did. At you least. didn't. I didn't. <laughs> Bad example. Go on. But we really, I, I don't know how emphatic we can be about how good this show is. And we will talk about that later on. But without going into any plot, without going into any spoilers or anything, I just wanted to just yeah, man. send sound a general ring of endorsement for this. Um, I did want to ask you one thing, though, before we got to our interview it, with Ricky and Natasha. Is the question in German? Because I'm fluent now. Natasha was talking about, spoiler for this interview, a little bit about how she has a bigger IMDb than Meryl Streep. That she's got more credits than Meryl Streep. To be fair, they were both very good in Silkwood. I don't know if you listened. I think I talked about this a little bit on the Bill Simmons podcast. Not familiar. (laughs) Um, We were talking about whether or not if Daniel Day-Lewis did as many roles as Russell Crowe, who would we think was a better actor? Is it that Daniel Day-Lewis yeah. is just a once-in-a-generation, yeah. the, the next Brando, the only la- the last Brando, yeah. and did ten, eight movies or whatever it was over 30 years, and now he's out after Phantom Thread, which we will also be talking about shortly. Mm-hmm. Uh, not today, but down the line. And then it's just like, I'm out. But if he had had to do Proof of Life, and if he had to do Body of Lies, and if he had done, you know... Uh, what if he had done the Ridley Scott wine movie? Good year. Yes. So I'm saying, like, boy, he would have been good. Do you think DDL keeps up that level of performance, or do you think that Russell Crowe, if he only ever does four movies, is he like that's it, the best actor of all time? It's a great question. Definitely not, <laughs> because it's a versatility thing. Think about it this way. Yeah. Think about the reverse, or at least with it with a reverse perspective. Daniel Day Lewis would be 
anywhere ranging from delightful to magnificent in just about any Russell Crowe role. Okay. Maybe not LA Confidential. If D- DDL and The Mummy would have been... This is an ambush! I'm not saying <laughs> yeah. the movie would have been better, yeah. but I'm saying he would have been good in all of those roles, and you cannot say the same is true in the reverse. Okay. It's just a different vibe, okay. right? I mean, do you... I agree. I, I, I think that there's the answer is somewhere in between. I think that if DDL had more plate appearances... Yeah. There's just a higher chance Your that batting average he could down. have been in a movie where it wasn't Jim Sheridan directing, wasn't Martin Scorsese directing, wasn't PTA directing. Sure. And you might get a wonky movie. I think that, here's something to remember about, are we, and, calling, are we doing DDL now? Now that he's done, are we coming up with a <laughs> cute little- I like saying DDL. Um, how many times, or when's the last time you saw Room of the View, the- Merchant Ivory, 1986 it's, film. It's on the rewatchables list, but I haven't is hit it? it yet. No, it's not. He's in that movie. Yeah, man. In a very small supporting role as a uh, priggish suitor. Mm-hmm. God, he's good. You is watch he? this movie and you're like, this this character is not important, but this guy's incredible. Yeah. He's just really that I just want to know if, if he was doing like Hackman's role in how many people, of the state. How many people do you think had Andy talks about a room with a view on the podcast <laughs> on their like bingo card. I'm sure someone out there Definitely. has it. Sorry, which enemy of the state? Yeah, the if ha- he had played Hackman's role in, in enemy of the state, would he have been like, I need to be a method. I need to method this. I need to know all about the surveillance state. Yeah. I need to all, know all about like NSA and all the, like the secret edicts of the, of the, you know, but I love it. Like, this is the thing about Daniel Day-Lewis. You tell me these, these scenarios. I'm like, what if you played the Tom Cruise part in Tropic Thunder? It'd be incredible. <laughs> Right? Like, that would yeah, be good. That would be pretty funny. Come up with an exact, name a movie or an iconic role That's that would not prompt. be better. You guys hit us it. up. If you can think of a movie that Daniel Day-Lewis would not have improved, you let us know. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I also kind of want to know the ones that he really would have Like, what movie would you want to see him, like, as Robert Duvall in The Judge? Here's, the, here, <laughs> at the Watch Pod, all of these thoughts about Daniel Day-Lewis. So that, if you've just got straight so, DDL thoughts, hit Zach Mack Because up. Zach Mack needs something to do with his time as punishment for not, not watching, watching Dark. Dark. Yeah. All right, Andy, uh, enough kidding aside. Let's get into our interview with Natasha Legaro and Ricky Lindholm from the show Another Period. And then after that, we'll be talking about Dark. <laughs> On that note, let me welcome our guests to the podcast. So excited to have the co-creators and co-stars of the Comedy Central show Another Period, which returns to televisions on Comedy Central Tuesday, January 23rd at 10.30 p.m. Natasha Leggero and Ricky Lindholm. Hi. Welcome. Great What's to be good? here. Thanks for coming. Thanks for Our show's uh, paired with Drunk History, so you can watch them both every Tuesday on that, Comedy Central. That is both a nice pairing and very um, friendly of you to, to give the <laughs> shout out to the other show as well. Well, that show has probably a few more fans than ours, so I'm actually just trying to help our show by <laughs> yeah. giving the shout out. The benefit of Drunk History, which we do not need to continue to talk about, is that it's right there in the title. It is. You, know? you get it. You get it. Also, it does have the same director as our show. Right. So, you know, and they're both period pieces. Um, and they yes. both, I would say, have the same tone of funny. So mm-hmm. I feel like the people who like Drunk History would love our show. But Let- the title of another period can be confusing. It yeah. could be misconstrued. Sure. Yeah. Let's talk about the show. Okay. Another period. <laughs> All right. Ten thirty. See, I was telling people to turn on their TVs at ten thirty. Yeah. I was just cutthroat. No ten yeah, p.m. Right. Um, generous. This is the third season. The show is incredibly funny and incredibly detailed with very many characters. <laughs> could you, um, since we want to expand the audience, can you explain the show f- to people uh, in your own words? That's not there in the title. I mean, in one sentence, it's is if a family like the Kardashians moved into Downton Abbey. Yeah, that's good. So that's kind of, it's new money people at the turn of the century. In America, during the Gilded Age. 
And I think I and read. It's very important that it's America because, you know, you, you look at England and Downton Abbey and these people come yeah. from long lines of dukes right. and duchesses. And, you know, our families are like, you know, our dad was a fur trapper. They're all new money <laughs> and they have no taste and billions of dollars in 1902 yes. that they don't have to pay taxes on because the income tax wasn't introduced yet. No, uh, no taste, but also no tradition. Mm-hmm. Nothing no, to yeah. base this on. No, no manners, nothing. Right. No education, nothing. You, right. you look at Down Abbey, and one of the reasons I think people loved it and escaped into it is because everything was appropriate. Mm-hmm. Everyone knew how to behave, and oh, the, the, the upper lips were so stiff. And, mm-hmm. and that's, that's almost why this has to be a comedy yeah. because these people <laughs> know about all of the traditions, but they don't know how to like follow them or, you know, it's just not innate. And the American upper class, like, they did do like a lot of like making it up as they went along for a couple hundred years, right? Exactly. Like, in terms of like, ah, yes. yes this is when you stick your head inside of this, you know, like, and that they were like, go on. No, but like, I was just reading, I was just reading a book. It was more set in like Jeffersonian stuff, but I was just like, holy shit, these guys don't know how to behave at all. I guess they still don't. But also very, very, very recently removed from doing all sorts of terrible things. Right. (laughs) Right. And, but they're, and their family, like all these people, their parents did the same jobs. Their parents were all, you know, working class people. And then all of a sudden half of them have a billion dollars and half of them have nothing. And they're like, go. I, I read that, um, and please tell me if I read incorrectly, but that the, the genesis from the show came from the two of you talking about all the many projects you'd been a part of and um, asking point blank how many of them were actually funny. Is that accurate? That's accurate. That's I, what happened. I, I love mean, this. we thought some of the stuff we yeah. did. Yeah. I mean, I, I want to say more, none of them. Were. I have more IMDb credits than Meryl Streep. <laughs> <laughs> I looked it up one I day. I probably do. Too. I have like ninety six. She has like seventy six, and I'm like thirty years younger than her. So the point is, we've just done so much stuff. Yeah. And you know, it's like when you try to look. It, it, quantity obviously isn't important always, <laughs> but you know, it's like you want to be a part of stuff that you really can get behind and are excited about. And how did this end up being the idea that appealed to both of you? Um, well, I had Ricky and I, you know, we went to Africa together for this, tr- for this, like, uh, you know, to help malaria. That's mm-hmm. another story. I mean, good, you did <laughs> that, help. though. Congratulations. Yeah, for malaria no more. <laughs> Malaria's done. Right? I, I know, right? It's, <laughs> well, work. it's actually. Is it, is it doing well? Is it, it I don't know. Cured? It, it actually is getting close. Well, Ricky is and I really? are largely mm-hmm. responsible for that. That's really good. That. Yeah, I think you're welcome. Yeah. No, it has, you know, there is a cure. So and there was like a lot of happen. education that needed to happen, and yeah. they wanted comedians to come and try to help. But um, that's actually great. So we did mm-hmm. that, and then we kind of bonded there, and then we would come back and start talking, and like we both knew we wanted to like create our own show. Um, and and I at first we tried to do a reality show parody, and it's impossible. Was it's, it, like, it's like parodying the president; one. like you yeah. can't. Like there's nothing worse than what's already out there. Yes. And so yeah, and then and then uh, we read this book on Newport, and we were just so fascinated by the time that. You know, there was actually it still existed. These houses, like they mm-hmm. they were bought by the historical society, and you can go there and go on these tours and learn stories of all these insane, wealthy, eccentric people. And you know, we just kind of fell in love with the whole era, and also the idea that like no one's really tackled the Gilded Age, yeah, mm-hmm. especially in a comedy. So it just felt, you know, everyone's like obsessed with the 1920s and the yeah. guns and the liquor and, you the know, the men and yeah. the gangsters, and it's like that stuff is so overdone, and it's like. The women really kind of got to shine almost in a way in this time period because the women run society mm-hmm. and Newport was all about society. So even though they couldn't vote and by the way, voting did start there, like all the mm-hmm. meeting, it didn't, you know, the meetings all started there. Like if you go to Newport, there's like votes for women stuff, like paraphernalia everywhere. Yeah. Like, And that's where the season begins. Of exactly. Yeah. Yeah. 
Did you guys have like, was there any other historical period that was in contention or did it actually just grow out of an interest in the Gilded Age? It was just this. Because Natasha had gone to Newport and seen the house tours and then I went with her and we we went and saw it. And it's just so much comedy and we're like, nobody's done this. It's just sitting there. That's like, it's like kind of the amazing part about it. I was kind of like, I can't believe no one thought to do something like, like <laughs> That's this. That's the thing. When, so you're, when you're like, no, somebody did this. And yeah. you're Googling, you're like, no, some, some, no, great. Well, we'll another thing that's interesting about the Gilded Age, and you know, basically was over as soon as they introduced income tax, which was like 1912, mm-hmm. 1915, I think. I, I think we're getting rid of that again, though. Just, just <laughs> that's what I'm saying. So that, fingers crossed. Same, <laughs> no, but, but that's what I was going to say. It was 100 years, over 100 years ago, but now it's like we've come full circle. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, Ricky was saying that she read that the income disparity has never been greater than mm-hmm. it was in the Gilded Age and then now. Mm-hmm. So those are the two times in history that we've had the largest gap between the rich and the poor. So everything is already, and it's not like we address all of these serious issues on our show. It's just kind of woven in. What is the breakdown for the two of you between uh, percentage-wise from research to just silliness? Because the show, I mean, I don't, maybe we've danced around this. The show is incredibly funny. The Thank first, they, they they let us see the first two episodes of the season. Oh, oh cool. nice. I love the second episode particularly, oh, which thanks. is not premiering on January 23rd, but no. January 30th. <laughs> yes. um, alongside Drunk History. Alongside another episode of Drunk History. Which, um, but but clearly you do research and you do care about accuracy in, in on a macro level before yes. you get down to but even on the silly level, some of the research brings right. us, you know, like the dog dinner party from this first season, mm-hmm. like that was an actual thing that this woman famously spent $100,000 on her dog's birthday party <laughs> and invited other dogs and they all like, you know, ate whatever the servants fed them. And, you know, so we we can take those things and obviously turn them into comedy. Mm-hmm. Is there it some ends stuff up being you- like 50-50 yeah. Yeah. to answer your question. there, You know, it has to be silly. Like we have a, a scene where we're talking exposition, but we're also learning how to eat, eat an ice cream cone and we can't figure it out. Because yeah. ice know. cream cones were just invented and they were at the, <laughs> the World's, World's Fair. Fair. Yeah. So it's like, you know. And we just don't get it. Is there stuff that you guys came across that you were like, this is this is almost too absurd to work on screen? Like any any historical tidbits or stuff, like anecdotes that you come across and you're like, nobody would even buy this even as like a I mean, we were like thing. a little worried about things, but people always pull them off. Like we had Harriet Tubman last year as a branding expert right. <laughs> because our characters want to get famous. And so yeah. that's all we want. But obviously it's very hard with no technology and no photographs and no, you know, no movies, no whatever. Yeah, there's like four famous women at the time. I mean, you'd have it's to like really get a hard. portrait painted and ha- hang it up, like a risque portrait and hang it up at your dinner party. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of like... And then invite a lot of people to and then invite for a, a lot. long time. Yeah, yes. exactly. It's like a long con. You had to wait for it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, one of the other pleasures of watching the show is it seems... it There's a vibe that some comedy projects give off where it just seems fun. Mm-hmm. It seems like you're having fun. It's a large ensemble. You never quite know who's going to show up. You have a remarkable run of uh, guest stars continuing into the season. Um, how does that translate on set? I mean, do you, is it really as simple as you just call people you've worked with or funny people that you know or meet uh, on tour or, or whatever the case yeah. may be? yeah. Natasha and I have been in the comedy world for a long time and you meet people, you know, it's people we met 10 years ago at the yeah, Montreal Comedy yeah. Festival and you have their number and so you can ask them and it's really, it's a privilege to be able to do that and we realize that, but we just utilize it. We're like, we're going to ask all our funniest friends to come and play something fun. That is like one of the perks of being in the comedy world is that you know all the funniest people. Right. And you've worked with them. And, you know, we've been really lucky because I don't think a lot of these guys, you know, they majored in theater and they were in plays and they don't get a chance to, like, act gay and, like, put on crazy costumes and, 
you know, I mean, I think most of the men in the show are gay. <laughs> yeah, most of the characters are gay. I think we've yeah. kind of like, we're getting or, revenge on all the times the <laughs> men made us play prostitutes. <laughs> I mean, not revenge, but, you know, it, yeah. it's just sort of, we just think it's funny to have them be just sort of... All in love with each other. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really enjoy it. And I, I can I spoil your show? I don't want to spoil, spoil it, but, it. But I really enjoyed uh, Jason Ritter in some kind of convoluted Gilded Age underwear making a, a Carrie Matheson from Homeland crazy board <laughs> yes. and just shaking he and screaming so in frustration. I, yeah, we were like, can, that was one thing we wondered if it was too stupid. We're like, can he think his mom is a ghost who's been standing, who's been with him his whole life? And we're like, yeah, he can pull it off. Well, because he's yeah. so talented. He's such a com- comedic, like talented comedic actor. That uh, yeah, I don't know how he does yeah. it. He can pull off anything, mm-hmm. and his his physical comedy is so crazy, and it's so, it, but somehow still so grounded. Yeah. <laughs> Do people need? I mean, three seasons in, I would imagine it's less. But I was wondering if people. Guests who are obviously funny, they know how to be funny, but do they need coaching as to the type of fun you're looking for and the vibe? I was thinking specifically in the season premiere, which, by the way, it's January 23rd. Yes. Um, <laughs> Jermaine Clement is on your show. and oh, He's amazing. He, he plays our mom's kind of lover. Religious man <laughs> slash Donahue, lover. yeah. Slash um, multi-instrumentalist, yes. as it turns it's out. It's kind of amazing because we wrote that character with him in mind, but we mm. didn't think he would do it. That kind of keeps happening to us. Like yeah. we'll, we'll use someone as like our prototype and then they'll end up saying yes. So that's been really fun. He just swan. I just mean he swans onto your show like he was born to be there. Like I yes. <laughs> I, I, people just get in into the tone. I don't think we've had a lot of trouble. I really think people like wearing costumes and being flamboyant. That's a really good point. You know, I just think it's like, because where else do they get to do that, really? That's why people like costume parties, too. Or like, uh, yeah. I, yeah. Halloween. Right. Yeah. And, they'll, and they'll, if someone's a guest star, they'll meet you at your level. If everyone's shouting in your face, you'll yeah. get. You'll Nobody's get. doing like, I want to do Dan Day Lewis. No. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's graduating. Um, you guys were talking a little bit about sort of comparing idea, IMDb pages and wanting to do something together. Is there something about 2000 and well, I guess whenever you guys started the show in 2015 or when, when did you guys first have the idea for it? Gosh. Seems like about two decades ago. It seems but so long ago. <laughs> well, that's my at question. Least, at least 2014, if not before that. 2014. Was there something about the way TV was changing industrially that sort of allowed this, this idea to come to fruition now and maybe it couldn't have before? I feel like we just kind of got lucky. Like, mm-hmm. I feel... Personally, I always felt like I was a little behind the curve. Like, I always wanted, like, glamour and, you know, I always wanted, you know, to talk about class. And that was just my personal obsession, but it wasn't always what was in style. (laughs) So it's like sometimes you just have to, like, follow what you're interested in and then hopefully the times will catch up. Sure. (laughs) So, you know, I don't think we were specifically trying to target, you know, this time, you know, like – we weren't really even trying to make a satirical show. Mm-hmm. I think we wanted to wear like cool costumes. Yeah, but we were really <laughs> passionate about the idea. We we knew we, we were knew onto something. Yeah. We we thought of the ideas over a glass of wine, and then the next day we're like, okay, so let's make a short. Like we basically made a ten minute pilot on our own right after that. You with, know, with paid the same for director. it and mm-hmm. full costumes in a mansion, everything. Before you were talking about, and I agree with you, like how hard it is to parody things that are happening in real time and it seemed beyond parody. Yeah, and yet here you are you're in the third season and the season premiere concerns women getting the vote Mm -hmm. um, and women in politics (laughs) and feminism. 
But these see, are topics are, that are relevant. Oh, yeah. I but mean, they've always but been relevant. But they're general yeah. Yeah. in a way. So it's like, that's almost better than like, you know, a whole episode about calling countries shitholes. Because yeah. it's like Trump's going to say 50 more things by next week that are awful. So yeah. it's like you can't really target like super specific instances. Right. That's what I was wondering. So specifically how you get into the topic. I mean, you have a you have a way in because you're you're just telling things that are always relevant and also mm-hmm. specific to your period. But. And we're assuring the men in Congress that you can give women the right to vote because they won't vote for other women because they don't like other women. They're like, they're like, we're going to lose our power. And we're like, no way. Not a I chance. Mean, it has been a, a bunch of 70-year-old white men in charge for like <laughs> hundreds of years. Yeah. Like, it's like it really hasn't changed. It's strange that like no f- like 40-year-olds were like, let's change that ever in the last yeah. two. Like, that they were, yeah. there was never like any, any like movement against them. Well, Even well, the Kennedy. people that the liberals are excited yeah. about are like in their 80s. Yes. <laughs> it's just like. You cast the Congress for mm-hmm. the season premiere of another period, January 23rd. Mm-hmm. And it, uh, you could say that that's just the Congress today. It looks the same. <laughs> it really yeah. It's no yeah. different. The photos are the same. The mustaches and, maybe. And yeah. watch, you know, I was watching the show Victoria on PBS about Queen Victoria in the, you know, 1850s and they're all they all look exactly the same. I mean, it just hasn't changed, you know, throughout history. It doesn't matter what country. It's well, I'm sure there's some co- European countries. <laughs> you mentioned Victoria. I was wondering if there was like other touchstone shows that you guys watched or drew from, even if just like tonally or acting wise or just like beats that you, you've you been obsessed with over the years. Real definitely, Housewives. Yeah. yeah. And definitely up, yeah. Upstairs Downstairs yeah. too. Mm-hmm. If, I mean, yeah. if, you, if you take something like The Real Housewives and then also Upstairs Downstairs yeah. and Downton Abbey and Kardashians, it's like the, they're kind of opposites, but mm-hmm. you know, we kind of melded them all mm-hmm. together and, and it's all about manners it's all like this sort of this sort of like a idea well, i don't like, know if the kardashians is all about manners or lack thereof <laughs> yeah, yeah right. they're definitely yeah. a good example of like the people with a lot of money who don't really understand traditions and i'm sorry to make fun of them in front of you ricky i know you love them oh i i like that show <laughs> you know um i, I tease her for yeah. it well, i watch the real housewives and the kardashians but are you, we bring there, it to the show do you have like a, def- a defined thing between real housewives and kardashians where you like one but not the other I don't really watch either of them. Okay. I mean, I, I will sometimes I'll watch a clip and be like, oh my God, I can't believe these people talk like this. <laughs> do you do much reality TV in general? I don't, but like I'll I had like the real housewives I feel like I really could get into, but my husband came home once and he was like, Don't ever turn that on again. <laughs> like I just think it's like some men just have like this averse reaction. <laughs> so, you know, if I'm alone, I think it's fun a fun like character study, but mm-hmm. It is pretty mind-numbing. And I think that people do use it to, like, clear their brains yeah, out. out. Do you have, do you, so aside, and do you, you watch a lot more of, do you watch a lot of reality stuff? I just, those are the only two Billions that I watch. Okay. But about I, Vanderpump Rules? Oh, that kind of counts as a Real Housewives show. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, that's, that's like, it's under the umbrella. Is that Real Housewives that's, that's, Jace? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Borderline yeah. scripted, right? They all are, aren't they? I, but don't, like, they're all still working that restaurant for real? Like, okay. Isn't this that is, a restaurant? Yeah, the only in, reason I, I don't think you it's totally scripted it is because there's no way all those people are that good of actors. Like, they cry all the time. Yeah. And I was like, these people can't cry on cue, like, yeah. on stage. This is, they, you know, they're not going to do Oscar Wilde, but they can cry like that. How does she run a restaurant while, like, everyone's being interviewed? I don't know. I, you can, <laughs> well, I restaurant's a tough business. It, they, yeah. Probably most of the income comes from the, the cameras at this point, right? <laughs> yes. Like the chicken fingers are just like the lost. Yeah. Leader. I don't think they're super oh, it's focused on S U R. Sir and Pump. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> it's really called thing? Sir really and Pump. Those are the two Not restaurants. this Sir. It's not like Gilded Age porn instructions. Yeah, they really. S U R S I R. S U R. Wow. Well, we're learning things here. Your characters on the show, Beatrice and Lillian, 
I'm curious. This is seems like a silly question for the way the show has been up to this point. But do you see? I, I can't believe I'm using this word. An arc for them? Like, do you consider the show as you're making this season, hopefully multiple seasons? Is there a place they're headed other than fame or infamy? Like, do, it's a slow can they arc. can they grow and change? Well, I mean, honestly, with sitcoms, you know, I know this isn't quite a sitcom, but like. You do just want to kind of see him going back and forth. Like it's yeah. never yes. like they're supposed yeah. to have yeah. some huge epiphany. Well, in the old, I don't think either of them will way. ever completely change. I think Beatrice, my character, could maybe change, but I feel like she's always going to not make the right decision. Lillian's never going to change. No, she's pretty set yeah. in her ways. <laughs> yeah, but but we'll lead you toward that, and then you know, at the last second. So no, we'll no very special up. episode where they. Not so far, Maybe but in yeah, a Beatrice fantasy keeps, episode might be interesting. Yeah. Beatrice keeps getting close to realizing that she has a mind that she can utilize for things other than you know sitting there. It, it's close. And, yeah, her, her argument to the Congress was very compelling. Yeah, things just come out of her. Very that, insightful. And then she gets shocked by it and goes right back to her. Doesn't she realize yeah. this season that she's not immortal? <laughs> yeah, she thought she that's a big forever. shock. It's a feat. Yeah, yeah. And Frederick she's a little bit more of like a baby, right? So she kind of, you know, learns, she's learning. Learns from, yeah, touching the hot thing and then yes. doing it again. <laughs> over and over. She also had the wisest description of vests that I've ever heard. That was my favorite <laughs> line in the history of the show, where she says, was it, what are the lines um, that na- nature is my sleeves? Yeah, why don't, why don't let nature be your sleeves? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's really good. That was a fun line. Um, looking forward on the show, are there um, inventions, uh, historical figures? Oh, yeah guest stars that are on your to-do list? Because you mentioned that you keep asking people who are your dream people mm-hmm. and then they sh- they show up. Um, uh, Hitler's coming in season, or in episode three. Oh, yeah. good. Mm-hmm. That's good. Again, he's no so, relevance to today. No. He's, <laughs> yeah, no one likes him or talks about him. He's 11 at the time, so he shows up and he's related to Lillian. Yes. Oh, congrats. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Thank you. Yeah. We subtly drop in season one that Hitler's in her name. When she does the beauty pageant, right. like Lillian, Abigail, Hitler, Schmemmerhornfish. <laughs> we just sort of gloss by it. and so um, The family does get into an uproar because Italians move in. Mm-hmm. And this was yeah. something that we really learned in Newport from studying. Like they would get very upset when Italians started coming to this country. <laughs> and, you know, that that's a whole kind of thing that obviously relates Somewhat to today, not necessarily with Italians. Classic but asshole with... country, Italy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> any any feedback from the Newport Chamber of Commerce? I wish show? they would. Con- I, I just want to get free hotels. Yeah. It's really expensive. <laughs> Rhode to Island go there. doesn't get many looks. The Fairley Brothers, I think, yeah. represent for it. But yeah. otherwise, you guys are doing. You're doing the work. But when we went there the second time together, I think we got recognized. Yeah. The the people who did the house tours were like. I realize you mentioned that all of those big mansions were bought by historical society. Well, some were, some were bulldozed. Okay. Because the, the people couldn't afford to keep them up. You can't have 35 indoor s- servants and 45 outdoor servants when you're paying income tax. Yeah. What do you mean? You, you can't. One, <laughs> one could. Well, like, they, maybe we could. They yeah. were paying these people nothing. They were basically right. indentured servants. And they would come every week on boats, like from Ireland and Australia, like desperate. And Newport's like right at the tip. So yep. it's like they would just, I mean, the butler would just come out and be like, <laughs> He probably like would go to the dock. This would actually yeah. be a good episode. Just scoop up. And just scoop them up. Just and anyone like, who doesn't want to behave. Yeah. I mean, these people got no free time. They weren't allowed to date. Yeah. Didn't they? There was a strike and the servants wanted what? Like They wanted an, an hour of free time a week. Oh, that was just for them. And the, the uh, head of the household was like, no. 
they had to sleep together. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, there was one tour we saw that had the servants staying on the, like the fourth floor of the house, and it was like the most amazing views. But they had built a brick wall, like to covering up all of their views, so that no one coming to the house would ever oh, see no. a servant. Mm-hmm. And so it was like these people were treated really poorly. And, but what was your question? Oh, I was, no, I was. I had a question. I also was going to say that. Um, since I have two kids, the request for an hour of free time a week sounded very reasonable. I actually yeah. thought that was, that sounds awfully Just good. myself, yeah. <laughs> I'd look at a brick yeah. wall. Yeah. No, my You're question was, wasn't yeah. one of them also purchased by Taylor Swift? Like, hasn't oh. she bought she a Newport house? Well, she, yeah, because she, oh. she did That's like a whole summer spot. July 4th like photo shoot there. Wow. Was, I like, don't very, blame her. Because, yeah. Oh, and she fell in love with it? Well, it was like, no, she like was living there or whatever, but the, she does these very like highly orchestrated, like just hanging out casually on July 4th with and, like, and synchronized Lena bathing Dunham. suits with Haim and Lena Dunham. Yeah. And synchronized I mean, bathing yeah. suits. There is a beach there that we also used in our show um, called Rejects Beach, which is where <laughs> the servants had to lay out. Mm-hmm. But the funniest part is it looked exactly like the beach next to it. I mean, right. so there's one ocean. And it was just like <laughs> right. a little That's fence. That's a really good point. Yeah, there's just like a little <laughs> fence. And they looked Rejects exactly the same. Beach. But but no one would go on Rejects Beach if they were Exactly. Wealthy. Yeah. But it's, I mean, Newport in the summer is so gorgeous. Like, I don't know. Yeah. If, if you, have you ever been there? Yeah. Uh, yes. Because yeah. it's like each house will have like rolling green. And then it just yeah. turns into the sand and then turns into the ocean. I, I mean, just feel like there's like, always a regatta. Yeah. It's, it's, it's yeah. truly gorgeous. <laughs> I, I think I appreciate that you translated regatta for Chris because he definitely <laughs> oh. he didn't know. He did not I know. I didn't really use I didn't uh, used to know what that was either. Isn't I it just a bunch of boats? It's just like a boat that's race. I, right? That's how I would have defined it's it. Like a bunch a of boat, boats, boat but are they doing sh- something? Yeah. They're racing. Yeah. They're the regatta but in like, Philly. Yeah. They're ra- you know. Can you race those boats? Yeah. You can. I mean a lot of it depends on the wind, I'm sure. But Right. Yeah. It's <laughs> pretty amazing though. Like one one year I was there, they had like a historic old ships convention. So you look mm. out and it's just ships for, that have been restored from like, you know, 200 years ago, just, you know, sailing through the waters. And it's it's pretty special. And the servants are allowed to look for 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah. um, so, but yes, the Historical Society does own right. any houses that are left. I think, well, no, that's not true. The ones that you can go through. And so the last plug you guys have for what's coming up on the season is Hitler. That's the, that, that's the you're like, watch <laughs> season three. Yeah. Hitler. He's coming. He's coming. He is. And, you know, he's nice when he gets there. But well, it's not like a Oh, but something changes. Something changes. Yeah. Ooh, wow. Yeah, he's a very nice little boy who's got his sketch pad. And, Let's just say he might, he might meet a Jew. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> he might. It's possible in America. Yeah. In, in, in the comedy business. It's yeah. And they, they, and they might not like his art. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Jewish critics always get yeah. <laughs> Can't say why that irks me particularly. Um, well, I think, uh, I think I, I can't imagine where we go after Hitler. Can't talk to um, yeah. <laughs> Natasha and Ricky, thank you for coming to talk to us about Thanks the show. Thanks for having us. January 23rd, Chris. Did you know that? I do now. 10.30 p.m. <laughs> Whether you watch it at 10 or not, up to you. But 10.30 is when another period starts. Thanks so much for coming by, guys. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thanks to Natasha and Ricky. We will be back to talk about Dark. But first, a few words from our sponsors. Today's episode of The Watch is brought to you by Hotel Tonight. We back, Hotel Tonight! Fun fact, unlike flights or other travel, hotel rates actually get cheaper at the last minute. 
In fact, Hotel Tonight partners with awesome hotels to help them sell their unsold rooms, which means you get amazing deals. All it takes is 10 seconds, just three taps and a swipe to book a room. No long, endless lists of a zillion hotel choices where you're just like, I don't understand the information being put in front of me. Hotel Tonight only shows you the best deals at the best hotels. It's perfect if you're busy, you don't want to overthink things. Plus, you can book up to 100 days in advance in top destinations and up to a week in advance everywhere else. Book next week tonight, book next month tonight, book Valentine's Day tonight. It's great for last minute getaways or a quick staycation, whether you're a planner or you like to leave things at the last minute. And with Hotel Tonight's HT Perks program, the more you book, the better the deals get. So start scoring amazing deals at incredible hotels and download the Hotel Tonight app now. All right, Andy, we're back. Thank you to Natasha and Ricky. Let's talk about Dark Man. The final four episodes, right? So seven, eight, nine, ten. Yes. Um, this is, uh, it's been quite a journey, man. I am so happy we're talking about the end of the series together because there was a moment. Season, because there's definitely going to be some more dark. You're right. That is a very Freudian slip that we're going to get to. Um, because there was a moment yesterday when you were like, I might not be able to finish the season. Can we, can we talk about the finale next week? I couldn't do it, man. Yeah. I you pe- were just being your people typical know, generous self. Well, no, you people know <laughs> that for a long time my professional diet was was heavy, right? This I was on like that that sumo diet of television. Like I had to watch all of it, you know, <laughs> in big, big heaping portions just to keep that weight up. Yeah. Um when I stopped being the TV critic, I pulled back maybe too much and let a lot of things slide. This show I could not stop watching and I could not wait for a chance to get to more episodes yeah. of it by the end. I mean, in a, it, it was it was the best kind of experience because it was a slow walk at the beginning and a full sprint at the end in terms of my interest. For a show that's so much about time travel, it has these supernatural elements, I was surprised by how surprised I was by it. And yeah, not man. by the, ooh, look at the twist way. And there's quite a twist at the end of it. But more like the human decision moments and the consequences of actions moments that come across in those final few episodes, specifically Ulrich going back in time to attack Helga, which is really like, you know, crazier things happen in this show by far, but that is one of the big gut punch moments. There's a couple of reveals over the course of the season, but it was really this idea that keeps getting battered home. And, you know, it's... German in subtitles and it's very dark and it's very solemn but for some reason unlike a lot of like heavy voiceover shows I found myself mesmerized by some of the thematic repetition of the voiceover talking about can we change the past Mm -hmm. can we change our future can we change our present or is there a such a thing as fate is that is something bound to happen no matter what interference there is Mm -hmm. and you know, of course, it exists in the world of genre. And this is something that Mal and Jason talk about all the time about the value of fantasy or sci-fi or genre work and what it tells us about the life we lead. But I found myself deeply affected by some of the underlying text of this of the time travel stuff, which is not something I thought I would be saying at 40 years old. It's because, once again, to the enormous credit of the, the showrunners here, they put the humanity first yeah. and then built a marvel of machinery behind them, yes. like a level of rigor and attention to detail that is, dare I say it, 
positively Germanic. Should we talk? It's for really just, impressive. We but haven't I, actually said this, but like the casting across three generations. Oh my god! Is like I was like, oh, is this gonna be like Looper, where they just like change a dude's nose? And it's they just found this is, great actors to play people at different points in their life, and they look alike. Let's ask this question. That's fucking crazy. Let me ask a question of our European or European adjacent <laughs> listeners. Yeah. Are there a lot of people in Germany who look alike? <laughs> like, I know that was, you know, that... That, that is a touchy subject. I know wanting that got y'all into some trouble <laughs> a minute or two ago. But all I'm saying is there there clearly was some upside to that because... They got the Ulrich nose. They got Ulrich, they got the... the and that kid... The kid is who, a great actor because he does have that. Ulrich has that. Which eighties Ulrich? Bad boy. Yeah. 80s Ulrich looks mad like old Ulrich. Ulrich. Yeah. Not not like Mads, by the way. I should yeah. be careful when I say that. It's how about how about two different Helgas? Yeah. Those dudes look alike. Yeah. They did a great job with that. Um, yeah, that's an impressive thing. Old that Helga is, just, is decidedly shorter. Do you shrink that much when you get old? Do I personally? My Did, team, uh, yes. <laughs> I'm just going to stop you Are there. you planning on it? No, I, I thought that was the one thing I noticed is that old Helga has got like, is giving up like four or five inches to but look, 86 Helga. That's the kind of like Reddit watching that this show is, in, I think does a great job avoiding, even though it obviously encourages it with, with how deep it goes, because we are completely on the ride with the characters. And I want to go back to a, to a, a point you made uh, at the very beginning. Which is completely accurate. There are two, there are a number of twists and reveals, but probably the two biggest are related, like the whole show is related to the Nielsen family mm-hmm. and who's who. The first one we discussed last week, which is Mikkel being, um, Michael. Michael being Jonas's, Jonas's father. father. Yeah. Um, I talked about how I called that, and I'm sure I'm not the only one. Yeah. I also, called that too. we also predicted that the uh, mysterious stranger was Jonas. Yes. Um, something that they definitely steered into in the last few episodes with the hood and the wandering around that was and the role that became more apparent. But w- the, the 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 point that you made that is so true is that so those a lesser show would have lived or died on those reveals. Um, for me, and I don't. This show is so good it doesn't need to slag off other shows, mm-hmm. but it makes me think of something like Westworld, which I think. It, everything depended on some of those similar reveals, the, the nature of a character, the true origin of a character, so much so that if once you figured it out, you didn't care about anything else around it. On this show, those two things were, were predicted, but what Ulrich does with Helga in the 50s shocked me. Yeah. I was completely jolted and sat up on the couch because I was so invested in everything and because I was so... Uh, accustomed and conditioned to expect a different result. So much so that it short-circuited the part of my brain that has been watching time travel and genre shows long enough to know that everything that happens has already happened and it always happened this way and blah, blah, blah. It short-circuits your expectations in a way that is truly thrilling. So I'm glad you brought up Westworld because I think what this show does, and you sort of see it when the Claudia stuff starts to come in and you start to see all the pictures on the wall of mm-hmm. all the different characters at different points in their life or in their lives or however you want to put it. And um, I think that the rigor and the attention to detail with character that they have in this show supplants what we usually spend all of our time litigating the rules of time travel and something like this. Or That's in right. Westworld, we're like, what the, can robots do that? Or like, why don't you just turn the battery off? Like you just start to, if the characters are bad and the relationships between the characters are not deeply felt, the viewer is left to say, 
that's not how time travel would work. Yeah, or we all become experts. why don't you just go back mm-hmm. and not build nuclear power then or whatever mm-hmm. you want to do. But because you feel that this town is basically an accumulation of what five families that seem to be living on top of one another mm-hmm. and intermarrying. And I mean, you could get into the whole thing about whether or not Winden is real. I don't know if we're ever going to hit that. But is it because the cops drive Mercedes? Yeah, right. Because Charlotte's got that. Charlotte's got that Benzo. <laughs> that drop top. It's amazing. Um, uh, because you have such a deep connection to all these interlocking pieces. Mm-hmm. When they're just like, yeah, time travel can be done by like this watchmaker made a machine. We're not going to explain it, except that there's like, oh, yeah, cesium can be ionized and that just opens up a black hole. And you're like, whatever, whatever. I don't even care. Like, that just sounds good to me. But the fact that like that dude's aunt is his grandma or his girlfriend or whatever the hell happened. Like that moment where Jonas is like, I can't be with you. Let, it's just, it's just, it's really an interesting shift on how you typically tell a story with these kinds of sci-fi or fantastical elements. Couple, couple things we should we should clear up. So this, this, these episodes we go to the fifties for the first time. Mm-hmm. Again, really well done production design, the consideration, the casting. It's really stunning. As a big, a big Egon fan over here. Do you like Tiedemann? I like Tiedemann. I like I like that older Young actor. Egon or I old like Egon? old Egon, and so but I I just like that performance. I like okay. that, that guy's presence. Uh, you know, I'm a big fan of old school policing. Like I just you know just goes by his gut. <laughs> you know, he just sure. just just takes uncorroborated stories from uh, teenagers and just runs with it. Um, I did a question emerged from that time period. Uh-huh. I definitely watched episode seven or eight. Like maybe I was a little too tired to be watching it, so maybe this was obvious. Noah is Ulrich's grandfather. Is this the 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 implication that I took away from the show? Is that this is all the Nielsen dudes? Ulrich, because is is Noah is the is is, Helga's father? No, no. Sorry, Noah's not Helga. So here's my here's my breakdown of it. Uh, Helga's father is the old guy who runs the nuclear power plant who gives the keys to the castle of Claudia in the 80s. Yes. Um, burned. Yes. Burned Doppler. Cool name, by the way. Not as cool as Bartos, but cool. Uh, Noah appears to be a, a, a pastor of some kind, a religious man. pastor. Ageless. Yeah. When uh, the Nielsens show up in town in the 50s, mm-hmm. the first pe- person they see is Ulrich walking down the road, and then they make it to the Tiedemann house where they're going to be living as boarders. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's... Um, Mrs. Nielsen, I guess, and her son, Trant. Yes. So they show up. She refer- She talks about her husband being dead, but says that he was a religious man or a pastor. Okay. So my inference is that that's Noah. And yet somehow Noah also shows but up But it could also be the same. We could be talking about, they, he could be Ulrich's father, yeah. but there's that scene Ulrich's where- grandfather. Grandfather. But when Helga yeah. goes missing and his mom is goes to the priest and is like, That's maybe this is my fault because I know he's not- Right. I thought Noah was like, you and I made this baby together. Oh. Not explicitly, but she's like, it might not even be Burns. Oh, there is that and part And I thought too. he was yeah. like, you know, like we're doing this together. Like I, it, it's like, I, I thought that right. Noah was Helga's father to make the- antichrist basically right man so there's a lot yeah so there was a little lack of clarity for me on that but here here's my bigger takeaway from this that i'm curious your thoughts on. and i'm curious about our listeners thoughts on this too 
I was so enthralled to the show and I loved it. I couldn't wait for more. And what I loved about seven and eight particularly mm-hmm. was that I felt the, the not tightening. There was this, we, some things were spelled out. Um, you know, that, that image, the three uh, possibilities, the mm-hmm. past, present, and future. Sure. The idea of this, this cave linking all three at the same time. And, and you the need way to that they hadn't really followed, like clearly like invested something in Claudia in the 80s, but hadn't really taken well, her beyond finding out what's under there until later. You know? Well, the, so you're, you're, you're coming at it the opposite way. What, my, what happened to me was I was so excited for this to be resolved. Um, I fell prey to a very, I guess I would say it's not old fashioned. It's actually modern thinking, which was they are going to tell the story this season. Yes. I, I knew that it was a big enough investment that there might be more types of stories or more things to come. Then in nine, I began to realize that this is just the beginning. Well, Noah is not a realized character. Mm-hmm. We don't know the origin of this room. We don't know what he's chasing. There's no motivation unless my hope was the motivation was that he's just the grandfather and it's always about this one family. Um, Suddenly, Claudia comes back. Suddenly, you realize that the Bartos stuff like isn't going anywhere. And then I got that sinking feeling that this was all prelude. And listen, don't get me wrong. I am pumped up to go back to Germany yeah. to zip up my parka and go whenever they make more of these episodes. But there was something that felt a little... I was disappointed yeah. because I wanted more resolution. And I the thought of introducing another timeline, which they did. Yes, into the, fu- into the future. I would assume 33 years 33 years 2019, whatever that is. 40, uh, 42 then? 42, yeah. 2042. I, it didn't make me as excited as I hoped because I wanted, I, I was enjoying it so much for what it was, which is what something that modern TV has allowed me to do, to assume that you're just going to be essentially one and done. Yeah, and they have a lot of hanging threads there so like Ulrich is uh being beaten in a police in a he's jail stuck in the past Charlotte knows he's in there the 50s, and Charlotte knows he's there um you know I think that what happened to me in the middle of the season somewhere around when they like what you're talking about in the 50 when they bring the 50s in really hardcore mm-hmm. it was like reading um I remember what the first time I read Richard Price's clockers and I was uh they they do a lot of switching of perspective mm-hmm. between uh, Rocco the detective and Strike the drug dealer, and it goes back and forth. And I remember the first time I read it, I was just obsessed with Strike, so I was just like, I don't really want to read about like some Richard Price cop. I want to read this like incredible, you know, character study of this drug dealer. And then you get you change your mind midway through, and you start yeah. getting into the Rocco chapters. This happened with this show where. I wanted just like this high school drama, basically like Riverdale with time travel. And then it got into the 80s. And at first I was like, oh, this is like familiar territory of Stranger Things. But then I got into the 80s part. Yeah. Then I got into the 50s part. I think that I've just now, they they have my trust. So if okay. they want to do Jonas is John Connor and this is the Terminator and Claudia is Sarah, like and wants to send him back to stop the apocalypse, they have my attention. Yeah, they've certainly earned it. I think that's well said. Um, how do you feel about the future? I mean, about the future being a major player in the show. I mean, one of the things that was nice about this, and maybe it's 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 specifically because of the cultural dislocation. Mm-hmm. We, as you said, they went to the eighties, and you expected Stranger Things. Yeah, and, if this was Philly. You might be a little bit more like eh. yes, because. And we talked about this when we first started talking about the show the relationship to history, to family, to country, to nuclear power, mm-hmm. the proximity to Chernobyl, all of these things are very, very different culturally um, in Germany. The 80s and 50s felt like interesting takes on eras for us. Mm-hmm. 
when I see future and I see dystopia, I start to recoil a little Well, bit. there's also a challenge for the storytellers involved because everything that happens in the 50s, 80s, and 2019 uh, wouldn't necessarily cross the threshold of other people would know about this. You know, a, yeah, a, yeah, a, yeah. a child going missing in a small town while a well-worn trope in, in crime stories, you don't see that on the on the national news necessarily or even on your Twitter feed now, right? But a nuclear accident, or in this case, apparently an apocalyptic accident, would change the world around Wyndon. And the relationship to Wyndon. And the relationship to Wyndon. So there is no reason for any of these characters to leave Wyndon, even though a few of them say they want to. It's all contained in this little diorama, and it's kind of perfect that way. But when you open up the world to, okay, we're going to have these world-changing events taking place here, it's it, it'll be delicate to see what they do. Maybe they leave Wyndon. I hope they don't. I mean, everything about that show was so tied up with it's the forest, it's pouring rain, mm-hmm. you know, every it's so moody. And they did a nice job with the, the you know, the nuclear winter snow falling and the Mad Max trucks and the the crazy flying helicopter whatever that was at the end. But I I I am looking for I cannot wait for season 2, but I see what your point is. Do you should we do just like an end of your kind of power rankings thing here um your girl regina's on an ill mission man she's reggie, Reg, reggie took a dark she, she she did a full heel turn yeah. at the end there i mean yeah. Jonas can keep giving her those hugs <laughs> but it's not imparting the sort of empathy that i think they're intended to impart yes. you know yes that's a rough one uh hannah is like the rise of scarface right now <laughs> charlotte remains the queen. Can I just a quick note about Charlotte, who yeah. is my favorite character? Yeah. But if I, as a police detective, had mm-hmm. a strong suspicion that my spouse might be a child murderer, and my husband okay. or spouse called me and said, I have to talk to you. Not just that. I have to talk to you about the bunker. Yes. Yo. I take the call. Yeah. Just my note. Yeah. This isn't... Ex- In, this instead is- of just staring at dead birds no. or, this isn't you know, like looking look at some microfiche. Your man's not like, I need to talk to you about the man cave. Yeah. You know, I'm not getting the Bundesliga yeah, package right. in it like I once Dortmund was. Dortmund lost to Bayern, yeah. Nah. He's like, I live a very sketchy life. Yes. On the DL, not the DDL. <laughs> although that casting choice would be interesting. And... Yes, and I'm calling you about the bunker and the red yeah. clay from where I drag the bodies that don't have the ear canals. Yeah, she should probably take that. But look, the call of the microfiche is strong. It is. You know, it the is. siren that song. That was a great moment when Ulrich shows up in the microfiche. Well, because also, you know, there there is an element. Maybe this is a good place as any to, to, to end on. But when, one of the, the things that is often said about the Duffer Brothers and Stranger Things is they know their audience. You know, they are their audience. Mm-hmm. They know the tropes and the little buttons to push. Um, I think there's a much more um, uh, distinguished way to know your audience, a much more um, intricate way to know your audience. And what I mean is the people who made Dark are aware that at a certain point, the audience will be frustrated that people aren't looking right under their noses. Mm -hmm. It established for us that Mikkel is hiding in plain sight, that he's in photographs hanging in the school that have always been there. Yeah. No one forgot that because it was a cool moment. To have Charlotte see Ulrich when she did scratches that itch. Someone saw something. Yeah. Someone's on the trail. Someone's on the path. Um, I would be interested. I, I I don't know that I would necessarily need to rewatch the whole thing, but especially the scenes with 
earlier scenes with Jonas, the adult Jonas, yeah. coming from the future or whatever, some of the things that he says and does, I'd like to go back and see in terms of knowing what we know now, mm-hmm. especially when he stops uh, young Jonas, right, from saving his own brother. Oh, or, he does that? No, yeah. saving Max. Saving his father. Yes. No. No. He stops him from saving, from, from taking Mikkel back. Yes. He's just creeping through time, that dude. That dude is just on a mission. He's very, very, very comfortable um, does this show, uh, doing that. I can't tell. Does this show get the belt? I mean, for us, yeah. because it dominated our thinking. I'd say it was probably the show that you and I are most passionate about yeah. in a very long time. People have asked, would it have found a place on our top 10 list? Absolutely. Have we watched it? Yes. I'm kind of glad it didn't because then we didn't have to do that math. But yes. But it also is kind of a strike against the whole belt concept at this moment because it's filtering into people's mm-hmm. world slowly, which makes it fun in a more old-fashioned way. Well, this is the Netflix way now, is that they, but, they may have things that are big first weekend hits, but people are going and finding end of the effing world weeks after the fact. And we're going to talk about it next week. But um, just a couple other points that are just lingering. What cocktail of drugs from the plastic bag did Bartos take in order for him to be super chill about his Mad Max grandmother walking in from the backyard? Bartos doesn't even bat an eye, man. He's like, oh, you crazy old lady. Yeah, he seems to be taking this breakup with Martha and is just like, I'll become the Antichrist. He's cool with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's cool with it. I mean, first of all, Martha is a catch. Uh, can I just ask a really quickly snap decision? It, is it possible that Noah is good and Claudia is bad? Uh, no. As right? It, well, that's what Noah is pitching. Right. Um... I think that, that Jonas thinks he's working for good by working with Claudia and that Claudia knows and is just like using him. Well, what that. do we know? But we can't predict. But I think what we can do is base some assumption from what the creators have given us so far. And what they appear to be giving us is a story built on the back of very familiar tropes and stories and relationships yeah. and doing A plus versions of them. Right. So to to do one of those switcheroos seems surprising to me. Clearly, there are cards yet to be played, especially if Noah's like, Jonas, I am your great, 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 great grandfather mm-hmm. or whatever he is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's family first, man. <laughs> That's right. That's the really the motto That's about right. this. Family first. Okay. Uh, what a wrap- fun show. Great show. Let's wrap it up there. On Monday, we're going to have a special guest join us. Yes. The Ringer's Juliet Littman. She's going to come by and we're going to talk about ER's arrival on Hulu. So Making a big impact on the culture. If you're an ER head, make sure you, you tune in for that. And if you've never seen ER, you're really missing out on a quite a great, great show. Uh, we'll also be talking about whether we are in or out on uh, Netflix's End of the Fucking World. Um, and I think we have anything else on Monday? That's what we got, but we've got, there are a lot of shows we're going to be covering. We're going to start, we're going to take a look at uh, Stars' counterpart yep. next week. We're going to be revisiting Versace for the second episode next Thursday. That's right. We got Mosaic coming from Steven Soderbergh on HBO. I don't know if you guys can tell, but we are in on TV in 2018. Look at us. Yeah. We're watching stuff. <laughs> okay, till next time. Bachelor Nation, this is Juliette Littman, host of the Bachelor Party Podcast. A new season of The Bachelor is in full swing, and so the podcast is back, but this time I have my own feed. You can find new episodes every Monday night by going to the ringer.com slash podcast or by subscribing to Bachelor Party wherever you get them. Come for the recaps and roses, stay for the drama, and for moments like this. 
please tell me you don't already have a little wiener. I do not have this. So yeah, you did, you did awesome. good. Don't forget, subscribe to the Bachelor Party Podcast today. It's available everywhere, including Apple and Spotify and Google.